Good morning and welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this morning? Can't complain. <laughs> I think you thought about it for a second. You're like, can I complain? No, I can't. That's good, Bill. That's no, good to hear. It doesn't matter if you complain. Nobody's going to listen to you if you do. But no, life is good. Um, actually, uh, I, I need to share with you that uh, last Saturday, last weekend, uh, I actually attended my 50th high school reunion. Wow. Now, for folks that tells you my age pretty much. Uh, of course, I think folks knew that anyway. Um, but yeah, and, and it was so much fun. It That's really, great. It was terrific to see folks after 50 years, to reacquaint. Um, it, you know, it was sobering in ways uh, because uh, now I, I, it was a large class. It was the world-famous T.C. Williams High School. <laughs> in Alexandria, Virginia. So uh, a lot of folks have heard of the school because of the fact they did a movie about it called Remember the Titans. Uh, and that movie was based on what occurred at the school about two to three years after I graduated. But I was in the very first graduating class of T.C. Williams of the folks who had gone all four years through the school because it actually was a brand new school when we were freshmen. Um, uh, it had just opened, uh, and it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, school, uh, amazing. But at the uh, same time, uh, what was sobering was the fact that out of 450 classmates, um, we had a pretty good number who had died, uh, over 25 uh, of our classmates had died. And, of course, part of that was the fact that that was right uh, during the Vietnam War uh, when it was raging. But, of course, uh, a number of the classmates were taken by accidents and drownings and cancer and other things. But it just makes you thankful of your own blessings that we're still here and breathing and in good health and <laughs> those kinds of, of things. Uh, but uh, I was um, in our class was it was an extraordinary group of very talented, brilliant people, um, and and they were a lot of fun. I mean, and we just had a blast getting back together. Uh, That's great. Uh, back then, I mean, we the school was way ahead of its time. It was it was integrated uh, to the same percentages as the school. It was a very diverse uh, class of wonderful folks, and everybody truthfully got along uh, well and um, became friends and, and, um, and studied hard, and people have done extraordinary things with their lives, and it was really fun to catch up with folks. And the new T.C. Williams, they tore down the old school, and, for, and it really wasn't that old. In fact, I've never seen a high school in North Carolina that even compared to the old school. But the new school is even more extraordinary uh, than, than what we had. Um, you know, it's a school with um, a gymnasium that has three full-length basketball courts wow. and more room than that and bleachers that would seat just I, I don't know how many folks um, 
Olympic-sized swimming pool, planetarium, uh, like the one in Chapel Hill. <laughs> you, you so this is big time, Bill. Four thousand over four thousand students in three classes. Wow! Uh, they have ten academies, uh, two international academies because they have students that speak over a hundred languages in their school. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty extraordinary place. But I was very fortunate to grow up uh, when I did. Um, but one of the things that, uh, when you look back, uh, my generation really did live through a tumultuous, very significant times when life was changing in America in a big way. Uh, I mean, yes, um, you know, civil rights was a big thing. Uh, Medicare just had come on. Social Security hadn't been there for long. Uh, for a lot of folks in in uh, ways, but um, uh, the Vietnam War was was raging. Uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated while we were in school. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Then uh, I, I remember the marches. I remember looking over the river with Washington burning. <laughs> there was a. It was. Um, uh, an extraordinary time. And two weeks after we graduated was when the United States uh, walked on the moon. Um, so lots of lots of changes, if you will. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, one of the things that I feel good about is the fact that so many of our classmates were leaders of the changes, of the good changes that have actually occurred in our country since then. And it's... Um, it, it's sobering. <laughs> but here again, blessings uh, to all of us who are living and breathing and, and uh, moving forward uh, with, with our lives. I just think it's wonderful. It makes you thankful and it, it makes you think. And hopefully it makes you want to do some planning as well, Bill, because we're, uh, we're going to continue our series here on critical legal documents when it comes to asset protection. We've gone over wills. We've gone over the general durable power of attorney. We've gone over the Healthcare power of attorney, and today we're going to focus on the living will, which goes by a different name here in the well, state. Well, it does, and I'm glad you're trying to move me in that direction, but I'm not ready yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your hour. You do what you well, want. Well, no, actually, um, one of the things about being able to go back to see a group of people um, that you haven't seen many of them for 50 years uh, i mean and and my age group is basically 67 and 68 uh i was 67 i'm 67 now but i was very young in my class because i was sort of a year ahead of myself but the um but the um the thing about it is even at that age which i consider young is that it wasn't just the fact that we had uh, classmates who had died. It was the fact that so many, there were a, a many folks who were not in good health. You know, they were struggling. They were using canes, and they were, you know, talking about hip replacements and knee replacements and, and um, you, you know, the fact that uh, the health was not, universally good and and of course that is something that makes you think too number one it, it you you thank your lucky stars for your own good health but at the same time it also 
makes you realize that so that there's a large percentage of us who are not so lucky um, that uh, their health deteriorates earlier. Uh, and it's not their fault. It's just that that's the way it is. That's life. And and um, so the key here is this: that some folks need to plan a lot earlier than others when it really comes down to uh, end stage planning, if you will. So, with with that said, um, yes, let's talk about what m- many states call living wills. Um, in North Carolina, it's actually called the Advanced Directive for Natural Death, uh, but it's commonly known as a, a living will. Now, we've talked about how important a last will and testament is and how important a general durable power of attorney. And, of course, I focus on the powers of attorney and re- and encourage seniors particularly to have what's called advanced powers of attorney that are robust, so important. And then last week we talked about healthcare powers of attorney and how important those are and some of the issues surrounding that document. Now, truthfully, um, there is a lot of confusion surrounding an advanced directive for natural death. It's, it is an important healthcare document, and it, it is a document that almost all of us at any age should have. It's not simply a document that uh, you do uh, when you go into a nursing home. (laughs) You you know, it's appropriate for young people as well as older folks and everybody else in between. Uh, And the the, now, and so there are three healthcare documents and all three are important. Last week, we talked about the healthcare power of attorney that's where you actually appoint your agent, the person who can make decisions for you when you can't communicate. And then there's also a third document that we'll talk about next week, uh, which is a medical release. Uh, we call them HIPAA releases because it's actually a document that's required by federal law, not state law. And so there are a number of of even uh, attorneys, general practitioners, even though this has been the law of the land since 2003, because it's federal and not state, there are some practitioners out there that don't think about uh, putting that, <clears throat> giving you that that document. Plus, uh, even the state document should be modified to 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 where you add that federal re- federally required language into the document. So that's really important too but um the um the the living will the advanced directive for natural death is an extraordinarily limited document it only applies in hopelessly dire circumstances and because it only applies in dire circumstances it is appropriate for anyone and everyone now you're looking at me so i know we have to take a break But when we come back, I want to explain how that document works and why it's so important and why there's so much confusion surrounding it. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Bill's seminar coming up this Wednesday. It's uh, a discussion that you're going to want to hear. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF.
You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find more about Bill, head on over to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. We are talking about the living will in North Carolina. It's known as the Advanced Directive for Natural Death Bill. And you were telling us that this is a sort of a, a, a document to help us in the event of a catastrophe. And we're going to go into a little bit more detail about what it does. Uh, exactly. Well, the first thing to know about it is that is it is a directive. In other words, it's telling somebody what to do. But it's not a directive to your agent. It's not a directive to your health care power of attorney. It is a directive to the doctor in the hospital. Because this is, this is a document that is actually used in the hospital, okay? Because it has everything to do with life support and whether to take you off life support uh, under certain circumstances. Uh, so the first thing to remember is that it is a directive to the doctor. And most people want to have one for the primary reason of taking the stress off your spouse or off your child or off your family members who might have to make a decision to let you go. This is, it's, in essence, it's an acknowledgement that you're okay with being let go to meet your maker in the event that it's a hopeless situation anyway so that your family doesn't have to make a proactive decision to let you go. Now, if your health care power of attorney is appropriate, in other words, it's, it's broadly written, which they should be, then your health care agent actually has the authority to make a life-ending decision for you. So in essence, even if you didn't have an advanced directive for natural death, uh, your agent could actually tell the doctor to take you off of life support if you have a health care power of attorney. Uh, that's written appropriately. Um, so that's important for you to know, but do you really want to put your family under that kind of stress to have to proactively tell the doctor to, to take you off life support and feel responsible for your death? No, you don't. And so um, an advanced directive is an appropriate document to take that stress off of them. Um, now, so when does this directive apply? Well, first of all, it never applies if you can still communicate with your doctor, no matter how dire your circumstance. I mean, and, and I've had friends, we, all of us who are a little older have had friends who have died of some horrible cancer uh, where they were actually, um, you know, had good lucidity right up until a week or two before they die, and they could tell the doctor exactly what they want uh, under those circumstances. But many of us are not in that circumstance uh, when we're in a dire, uh, when, when we're near death. Um, so... First of all, if you can still communicate with your doctor, then what you tell your doctor applies and not what the piece of paper says. Secondly, um, so you're in a position where you can't communicate. 
obviously you have to need life support to sustain your bodily functions in life because if you don't need life support, then there's not a plug to pull, <laughs> if you will. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. So um, so those that's the first two criteria. Can't communicate. You need life support to keep you alive. Now, if those two things are true, then they look at three hopelessly dire circumstances. And if you fall into one of these three, then and only then uh, does is the paper effective to tell the doctor to take you off life support. So what are the three horrible circumstances where this document would apply? Well, um, the, the first uh, circumstance uh, is if you um, – are in essence on your deathbed. In other words, uh, you have uh, a, a situation wh- which the doctors cannot help you improve, and whether you're on life support, you will die within uh, hours or days, regardless of what they do. So, in essence, um, it, it's a totally hopeless situation. Um, if there's a reason for life support to keep your body alive for a few more hours or a few more days, then okay. But uh, if not, then it's just a futile effort to keep you alive. The second circumstance is if you are unconscious and um, not just unconscious, but your doctors believe to a high degree of medical certainty that you will never regain consciousness. And that, quite frankly, is the grayest of the three areas. And I have a solution for that in my documents because, frankly, miracles do happen. Uh, Doctors are not perfect. Uh, uh, They do make mistakes. And quite frankly, as I say it, the ability of the doctor to know that you're not going to wake up may depend on where you are. I mean, for instance, if you're in the Raleigh-Durham Research Triangle area, you're in one of the best healthcare areas in the world where all of the hospitals have uh, fantastic equipment and they have very experienced, uh, credible doctors and the like. But at the same time, if you're down in Podunk, South Carolina, or Podunk, North Carolina, or Podunk, Virginia, <laughs> or Tennessee, or pick a place – where there's not a hospital or there's the hospital's a little teeny hospital with no equipment and and the like the ability to have a medical judgment that is credible may not be the case so you know it where it might occur has, um, might make a difference so like i said i have a solution for that but even so it's still a dire circumstance and people are, are frankly Uh, okay with the fact that you're talking about uh, a high degree of medical certainty uh, in terms of not waking up. But miracles do happen. It happened in my own family. My my brother was unconscious for six and a half weeks, and the doctors had no hope for him to wake up. And guess what? He did. And 
he lived uh, for many, many years after that because he was injured back in 1973, Easter weekend of 1973, and he lived until he was almost 70 years old. And so um, miracles do happen. And, you know, that's an important thing to recognize that uh, folks are not perfect. Now, the third horrible circumstance is the worst of all three in my mind, and that is where you suffer from advanced dementia. In other words, before whatever happened, you already had advanced dementia, and that's a level where you would not know your own name, you wouldn't recognize your spouse, you wouldn't recognize your children or grandchildren, you would have no clue where you are. In other words, you're just a vegetable inside a body. Or it it also can be exactly that, uh, a substantial loss of cognitive ability, which is typically known as a persistent vegetative state. So same circumstance for a different reason. In other words, you can be in a persistent vegetative state and have nothing to do with dementia one way or the other. Um, But if you're in that situation, at least under today's medical circumstances, there's no coming back from it. And if you're already on life support, why... I keep you on life support under those circumstances. So three very extraordinarily dire circumstances. Um, And so those are the only times when this document applies. Uh, Now, with with that said, um, when we we come back from break, I want to talk about some things that are, I think, that are extremely important to have in your advanced directive for natural death. Uh, And it's something that I always recommend to my clients. Um, But I know we have to take a break, so I'll let you go. We'll do that, and we'll get to your recommendation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, thanking you so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Bill Alexander across the table from he from me right now, and we're talking all about uh, legal documents, in particular the living will or the advanced directive for natural death, as it's known here in North Carolina. And uh, Bill, you know, just before the break, you were saying that uh, you do something um, more specific when it comes to the living will. Well, it is um, because you have to understand it it only applies in dire circumstances. But one of the strong recommendations that I make has to do with an option as to whether to allow your agent, your health care power of attorney, to override or veto the directive. And that's something that I always strongly recommend to allow your agent, your trusted person, to override the veto. Now, occasionally, uh, folks say, well, why do you do that when you're really trying to take the stress off of that person to make uh, a life-ending decision? And Frankly, it's, it's because healthcare 
has changed so much in the last 30 years. I mean, when you go to the hospital today, you are not going to see your primary care physician. You are going to see a hospitalist that works for the hospital. And uh, quite frankly, um, you have no ability to know the uh, initially the credibility of that doctor. How much experience does that doctor have? You know, what kind of credentials does that doctor have? Um, uh, they don't know you, so um, it, it's you're just a body in front of them. And the whole point is the fact that some doctors are better than others, <laughs> you know, just like any other professional. Uh, now, again, in this area, you're going to, uh, you know, have some of the best doctors in the world. But at the same time, there's nothing that says you're going to have your problem here in the in the Raleigh area. Uh, and frankly, I do think there are times when family members – because they know you far better than the doctors do, um, have, sometimes there's hope, and particularly when you're talking about someone who is unconscious, because oftentimes the family members will know the circumstances better than the doctor does. Um, and so uh, what's wrong with having your agent to be able to say, not yet, and to keep control, and see, I, I'm a big believer in control, and I would rather the ultimate control be with your, with your, the person you appointed to make decisions for you, than a doctor that you don't know and your family doesn't know and nobody knows, uh, because it may be we want a second opinion, or we may want to simply delay. Uh, for another legitimate reason. It might be you're waiting for a sibling to show up or someone else uh, to be available to talk about it before uh, you ultimately al allow someone to pass on. So uh, there are um, many decisions, but I, would, I always prefer the family to be in ultimate control. Now, you might say, well, again, why would you have a document at all if you want the person in control. It still takes the stress off. It doesn't mean that the agent is going to say not yet. It They have the ability to say, okay, we, we understand, doctor, we'll, we'll go with it. But having the ability to say not yet is very powerful. And from my perspective, it's something that's extraordinarily important for families. And and any family who's ever experienced a miracle, like my family, would understand why I think that's so important. <laughs> it is very important because, you know, as you're filling out these documents, you don't always, as you said, know the circumstances. And having someone in that just-in-case scenario who can make that decision is, is something that I think most people would want. Oh, yeah. I, in fact, it's, it's pretty rare when a client says, no, I, I, I don't want my agent to have that authority. I, I want the doctor to put me down no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't you don't hear that often, um, Bill. We've got a couple minutes here, and I did want to remind everyone that you've got a seminar coming up this Wednesday, and that if folks are interested, this is a free opportunity for them to get plenty of information uh, about as good as information as I've ever seen when it comes to uh, assistance, government assistance with long term care costs. Well, our, our seminars uh, are 
really helpful to folks who are trying to discover uh, ways to get some financial assistance uh, and to protect their property. It's it's the the rules are not simple; they're very complex. Uh, and at least those folks who come to the seminar get a pretty good grounding in what uh, uh, programs are out there, how they work, uh, how uh, – and most families can, by coming to the seminar, understand whether or not they could be eligible for uh, those programs and when they could be eligible for those programs. And, and uh, it really – helps families significantly. Now, obviously, for those families who are in crisis, you know, where, and I mean by crisis, I mean you have a loved one already in a nursing home or in rehab, and it's likely they're not going to be able to come home. Uh, those folks are in crisis because they're getting getting ready to have to privately pay substantial dollars each month forever. And that most families can't do that for very long. And, of course, the biggest mistake are those families that think they can figure it out on their own, which is virtually impossible. Uh, and, and they privately pay for two or three years until they have very little money left. And then it's like, okay, well, now's the time we better go see the, the, the lawyer to make sure that we can, can, can get uh, – eligible. And the fact of the matter is, if they had seen us two or three years earlier, we could have saved most of their nest egg for their benefit uh, so it could be used to supplement the care that they might receive on uh, a government program. Um, Now, not everybody can get a government program, and so it's really important for folks to know and understand when they might be eligible and when they clearly will never be eligible for a particular program. And and so to me, uh, the knowledge of when it's not available to you is just as important as knowing when you, it might be available for you. Yeah, being ahead of the game and being able to plan and prepare is so key when it comes to uh, what could be a financial catastrophe. Uh, A long-term care crisis is something that no one wants to go through. But if you're interested and you would like to find more information, there's a couple ways to register. Again, it's free to attend. You can go online to wgalaw.com. That's Bill's website there. You can register online. You can see the calendar of seminars as well. Uh, Or you can call the office, 919 Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand, and you can register that way well, as well. Jason, let me mention a few more things with it because it's for it's free, and it's important for folks to know uh, that there's no cost uh, to attend. It now it is pure educational. Uh, we we only feed you information there's there is no dinner or hors d'oeuvres or drinks or anything like that available uh so uh don't come expecting that uh, you're going to get fed that that's not the purpose uh we will feed you information that will be invaluable to you but this is this is not one of those uh, kinds of things uh, otherwise also i would mention that professionals are welcome, and it's it's fairly common that we'll have an attorney or CPA or social worker uh, um, 
uh, who attends, uh, and they always get an awful lot out of it as well, just like families who, who want more information as well. So professionals are welcome to come. We're, uh, it's, it's not unusual at all uh, for us to have folks like that, uh, and we're delighted with the families that want to come. And some folks come when they, they're not in crisis. They come just because they want to learn more about it, and we certainly welcome everyone who would like to learn more about it. And we, uh, the seminar is designed to focus on uh, those programs that can help people the most. We talk about Medicare. We talk about Medicaid, special assistance. We talk about TRICARE for Life. We talk about uh, veterans' benefits, the, particularly the veterans' pension benefit, which is a reimbursement program uh, for war period veterans and their families uh, for long-term care costs. And so um, anywhere we can find money that will help families uh, help pay for these extraordinary costs, um, that's what this program's all about. There's nothing like it, and it's free, and it's coming up this week. If you're interested, again, go online. WGALaw.com is the website, the phone number to register, 919 919- Two five six seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander reminding you this Wednesday, Bill's got three seminars that you can attend for free. You can go online to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com, or you can call 919-256-7000. Again, registration, it's it's free to attend. We don't feed you, but uh, Bill, you know, there's... So much that you have to consider uh, when dealing with long-term care, and we've discussed in the past that there's no real easy way to find this information. And in fact, most of the places that you go to are going to give you bad information to try and get you to leave them alone. Well, most families are absolutely shocked uh, when they get into this situation to learn that their health insurance does not pay for long-term care, Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. And so unless you can uh, become eligible for an assistance program, it's just straight private pay. And it can be five to eight thousand dollars a month every month. Uh, And there are very few families that can afford to do that for very long without running out of money. And one of the sad things is, depending on the circumstances, even if you run out of money, there may not be a program that helps you, and so you end up not getting any care at all. It's not uh, – there are some really deep holes in the safety net. <laughs> so uh, learning where th- those holes are is important. Learning where the net is there, where it can help your family is huge. Yeah, there's something in there really for everyone to learn and to and to get some valuable information mm-hmm. that'll help them in some way. And you know, we've discussed these topics on the show before, but um, I, I would have to imagine that there's no real deep dive that you can get like this um, from 
an expert like you. Well, you're right. And the other thing is that this information is impossible to get online. It's not in a book. Uh, the only way to really get it is to uh, to see a knowledgeable person uh, who can explain it to you. Uh, and it's still confusing. I mean, I teach it to lawyers, and it's confusing to them too. So, I mean, it's uh, – but getting grounded in it is extremely helpful to families, and that's what this is about. Now, with that, I want to uh, uh, move to a different topic altogether. I, I mentioned it last week because it's an important – uh, it's a predictable change that's going to take place relatively soon, and it has to do with retirement accounts. Uh, a lot of folks have heard of stretch IRAs, and stretch IRAs, uh, as we know it, uh, is highly likely to go away. And so, uh, now, so you might say, well, what is a stretch IRA? Because there are a lot of folks out there that think a stretch IRA is actually some product of some kind. It's not. A stretch IRA is is uh, relates to inherited IRAs. In other words, not your not your IRA not one that you've worked for, and not for your spouse because a spouse has the option of basically just rolling your IRA into their IRA. So it's not treated like what's called an inherited IRA. An inherited IRA has different rules. but uh, and, and so think about it as your child or grandchild is receiving your IRA as your beneficiary. Under the current rules, they do not have to take out all of the money at once. In fact, a lot of families do things to absolutely prevent a child or grandchild from taking a retirement account out all at once. And that's stretching it over a long, long period of time. Now, unlike your spouse or you, an inherited IRA has a minimum required distribution from day one. Okay. In other words, if, even if you if a five-year-old inherits a retirement account, a five-year-old must take a required minimum distribution. Now, it's not much. It's based on their long life expectancy, but they still must take a distribution, or if they don't, they're highly penalized for not taking the distribution. 50% penalty, not good. So you take your distributions. Well, a lot of financial advisors uh, encourage folks and Family members encourage their children and grandchildren when they inherit the IRA not to take it all out at once because whatever you take is, in fact, a taxable distribution. You pay income tax on every penny that you take out of a regular IRA. Um, and so stretching it out over many years does two things that are both good. It reduces it allows you to grow that fund. In other words, the growth inside your IRA is not taxable until you take it out. So the longer you keep it, the more it can grow. And that's helpful. Having a larger pie, piece of pie is better than a smaller piece of pie. 
And it also reduces the income tax because you're spreading the income tax over many years rather than taking it all out at once and having all of that income added to your other income, which oftentimes can put you in a higher tax bracket and the like. So now, what's happening? Well, the the United States House of Representatives has already passed um, a bill, and the Senate has a similar bill but it's not exactly the same. So we don't know how it's going to finally come out. But House bill says inherited IRAs must be taken out over a 10-year period. So you can't stretch it beyond 10 years. Now, the Senate version of the same bill, or it's a similar bill, it's not exactly the same, uh, allows you to stretch up to $450,000. So that saves most of us if the Senate bill becomes law. We just don't know what. But anything over $450,000 must be taken out in five years. So they they give a little and they take away. And that con- that's what Congress does, right? That's right. Well, this whole thing, the reason they're doing it is because it'll raise about $16 billion in additional tax revenue. So uh, the fact of the matter is it's important because it's a huge change for folks with inherited IRAs. And, of course, oftentimes an inherited IRA is the largest part of a person's estate uh, today. You know, back back in the day, it was almost always your home, but that's not necessarily true anymore. And so knowing how to deal with IRAs, uh, with retirement accounts, is extremely important. And most financial advisors at this point don't have a clue that this is coming down the pike or what some of the options are. And there are some options in terms of giving your family uh, similar protections, in other words, there are different ways of skinning the cat, but the, it looks to me like the stretch IRA uh, is going away except for the first, uh, except for a 10 year period, or it could be that $450,000 can still be stretched, but we don't know which way it's going yet. Yeah, it's something that you'll want to pay attention to, or you can stick around and keep catching us every Saturday at 11, and we'll update you when a decision is made in that regard. A quick break and back. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you're interested in attending one of Bill's three seminars this Wednesday, go online to wgalaw.com. You can register online for free. You can also call 919 256 7,000. Hey, WGALaw.com is also where you can go to find information like Bill's podcasts. Uh, You can find bios on his whole staff there and all the different services that his firm provides. WGALaw.com and the Asset Protection Today podcast. Uh, If you can't attend a seminar, maybe you want some some bites and clips of some of the goodness that Bill uh, provides at these seminars, you can download and subscribe to his podcast. It's available everywhere podcasts are found. Again, it's the Asset Protection Today podcast. We're out of time for today, but we'll hope you'll join us again 
next Saturday at 11, right here on News Radio 680 WPTF for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend, everyone.